packaging is composted. There's no waste in the packaging. The product itself can be, you could just throw it into compost itself. You can throw it into the recycling. It, it's going to degrade very quickly. So there's, there's nothing there. The, from beginning to end, we're trying to find ways of making the whole business more sustainable. So in the manufacturing, we're using only renewable green electricity in Germany. <laughs> the offices have no AC. <laughs> we are we're committed to, to having a reduced uh, electricity footprint across the board. Welcome to Mindful Businesses presented by Sarani, and I'm your host, Vidya Ayer. In our podcast, we bring to you brands which are mindful in their practices and processes. A mindful business adopts and employs sustainable social, economic, and environmental practices. Today, we have with us Patrick Graham, CEO of Unpaste, a zero-waste, all-natural replacement for your toothpaste. He joins us from Berlin, Germany. Welcome, Patrick. Thanks for having me. Oral hygiene is a very important part of our daily ritual. And it's not just for beauty and or social reasons. Why is oral hygiene so important for our good health? Well, it's one of the places where we actually hit, get the most bacteria build up in our bodies, especially in modern diets being really high in sugar. We end up with a lot of, a lot of bad stuff in our mouths. And it's been linked, oral hygiene has been linked to strokes. It's been linked to all kinds of other diseases that we don't think of as being related to, to our mouths. So it's one of the easiest ways we can reduce the harmful bacteria that comes into our body. When was the first toothpaste introduced I'm talking about the toothpaste in the tube or in the gel form that we see today. When was it first introduced? The first modern toothpaste is probably the teens or the 20s. Before that, people would scrape their teeth, sometimes with a like a baking soda or some kind of powder. And a lot of cultures start just scraping their teeth, brushing their teeth with certain kinds of plants. Um, and there's, there's even a one called a mishwak that's has a little bit of fluoride in it. It's common to see see some cultures brushing their teeth with this. So before the toothpaste, there were maybe powders, there were twigs, there wasn't a toothbrush, there was a toothbrush, and then now we have this form of toothpaste, which is very, very convenient for oral hygiene. What are the ingredients in the toothpaste that we traditionally find in the brands we know, the, the Colgate's, the Crest? So... Oh, you get a lot of things in toothpaste without going through a whole list of ingredients that are designed to make it smooth and foamy. And mm -hmm. they take a lot of water. They have a bunch of things that are actually not necessary for cleaning your teeth. Mm -hmm. um, one of the reasons we have unpaste is that we didn't want to have anything extra. We wanted something pleasant to brush your teeth with, but didn't have anything that wasn't really needed to clean your teeth. We feel like our product cleans your teeth better. It actually has a, a subtle polishing action that we actually have a low abrasion. We're actually much lower abrasion than a lot of toothpaste that are on the market, but you get this very clean, very smooth feeling. Like after the dentist, you're like, your mouth is, is very clean. We use a, a microfine cellulose that Mm -hmm. Does it, it's, it sort of simulates in some ways that twig action we were talking about, right? So that when you're brushing your teeth with a twig, you, it's a cellulose that do a great job of polishing your teeth. And so we're just a more convenient, more pleasant version of that in some ways. Yeah, traditional toothpaste, because it's in a paste, it 
ends up having to be in a tube for the most part. Mm -hmm. And those tubes are not recyclable. You're seeing some now that are made from recycled post-consumer plastics, at least partially, but I've not seen one that has can claim to be recyclable or biodegradable. How does one use Unpaste? It doesn't come in a tube. So for a person who hasn't seen your product, what does Unpaste look like? It's just a small white tablet. looks like an aspirin or a tic-tac, um, a mint, a tic-tac, a tic-tac. Mm-hmm. maybe, maybe closer to um, like an Altoid, like a small Altoid. Mm-hmm. <laughs> you just, you put it into your mouth and you chew it for just a few seconds and it becomes this sort of smooth paste in your mouth. And you just take your toothbrush, the regular wet toothbrush. We recommend something very soft bristled. Mm-hmm. The softer the bristle, the better the polishing action we get. And you brush your teeth like you would with any toothpaste. So why soft bristle? The soft bristle allows to, to get the material, the, the most importantly, the cellulose and the, the silica into all the parts around your teeth, into the interdental crevices. So it basically just does a better job of distributing the material across uh, every tooth surface. What is there in Unpaste? Uh, you said cellulose. What are the ingredients in Unpaste, which are different from the traditional toothpaste? We don't have any foaming agents, right? which is one of the main things, because that actually gets in the way of cleaning your teeth. The foaming agent is just it's just a pleasant feeling in the mouth, right? It actually kind of or interferes with the action of any, any sort of anything that's going to scrub your teeth. Mm-hmm. It's cellulose and baking soda, silica, and those are the main cleaning actions. There is a surfactant, sodium lauryl um, glutamate, and that just allows the product to get past anything that might be on the surface of your teeth. Mm-hmm. There's some flavoring. There's some mint flavor, some menthol, thickener, xanthan gum, which is common in all kinds of products. There's a bit of sweetener, there's stevia, and citric acid. I think that's all we've got. It's a very, very short list. Very short yeah, list. Yeah, yeah. yeah short, as short as we can. I mean, it could be a shorter list, but then no one would use it because it, yeah. it, it would taste horrible. It's a really bad sensation in your mouth. It's interesting how different things can be used to clean your teeth. I always thought that you need the foam to clean your teeth, you know, like you're washing your hands, you have the bubbles and your hands are clean. Once it's foamy and, and you rinse it off. And that's sort of the feeling that I had. But I just remembered growing up, say you went for a sleepover and you forgot your toothbrush. We would actually just brush our teeth with a finger and salt. And yeah. and basically did what you're sort of saying. It just scraped off surface bacteria and the salt kills you know, a lot of uh, the bacteria very easily. Yeah, it's, it's very similar. Yeah. And I didn't think about the foaming thing till you mentioned, because you're always saying you need the foam. You know, you have this foamy toothpaste that you want to spit out and only then you feel that you're clean. So, and But it's an unnecessary ingredient that you really don't need. You don't. And people like the foam. Don't get me wrong. There are product and these tablets in general, people are not used to it. Right. It doesn't act like the toothpaste they're used to. And so how do you educate um, them? So that was my question, right? So now people are used to picking up this tube. How do you teach them besides those videos? It's it's cumbersome for me to change. I'm used to what I'm doing. I'm not sure if this thing works. And I'm, I don't know. I really don't want to switch. I think our first message, we try to convince, we appeal to their sense of ecology, right? And that this is a better product for the environment, mm-hmm. right? And then what I usually tell so anybody who wants to try it is like, give it a few days. Because what you find is 
that after a few days, it seems pretty normal. It's not so strange. I find most people within a week, they're like, oh, this is great. And partly because I also emphasize like pay attention to how your teeth feel afterwards. And there's a much cleaner feeling after unpaste than there is after a toothpaste. It rinses better. It polishes better. And so people get really hooked on that. They really like the way their mouth feels afterwards. That's our main emphasis mm -hmm. in terms of convincing people that this is something worth trying or that worth considering something other than toothpaste. And the abrasion does not harm the enamel of the tooth, right? It does not at all. There's a, a measure called relative dental abrasion, I believe is what it's called. RDA is definitely the acronym. And by that measure, we are on the very low end of any kind of toothpaste. There are toothpastes that are in our area, and these things are not an exact science, but we are, are actually a very low abrasion product. We get this question all the mm -hmm. time. And um, because people are like, oh, my teeth are so smooth, and yet, you know, but this must be really bad for my enamel. Or more similar to when you go to the dentist and they'll do, when they'll polish your teeth at the end, mm -hmm. right? It's like that. So it's not abrasive, it's polishing. It's just removing the soft plaque and the bacteria, and it just is a very thorough job of that. In most city governments, they add fluoride in the drinking water to prevent tooth decay, and almost all toothpaste that I know of have fluoride as one of the important ingredients. Does Unpaste have fluoride? And if it doesn't, why? The product that's being sold currently in North America does not have fluoride. And there's a bunch of people who don't want extra fluoride. Mm -hmm. Like you say, that's already in the drinking water, so maybe they feel like they get enough. Or there are some people who are concerned about the side effects mm -hmm. of fluoride in their diet or in their, you know hygiene products. So no, we don't have fluoride currently, but I can say, I, I'm happy to say actually, because some people do want the fluoride product, that Monday, so this is two days before we're recording this, we got approval from the FDA to sell the, the fluoride version in the, in, the, in the US. And will that alter the performance or how I feel when I brush? I have not found anybody who can tell the difference. Theoretically, the fluoride has a little bit of a flavor, but there's so little in there. We're talking, you know, a couple of hundred parts per million or something like this. But it's, yeah, it's, it's such, a, such a small amount it would take somebody with an amazing sense of taste to, to tell the difference. Talking about the brushes that can be used, um, you said the plastic soft brushes, but now with all the sustainability, I've seen natural toothbrushes, toothbrushes without the plastic bristles. Have you tested those? <laughs> We are just starting to look at those. Mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. there, there are one thing you're seeing very commonly are these bamboo handles, right? right? So, right. The, the, so that's that you're seeing all the time, and that's a great thing because that's just certainly a lot less plastic you're using. But the bristles are still plastic in those. They're, they're still plastic mm -hmm. in those. You see some that are made out of mineral oil. Now, those are better, but they don't really biodegrade. They have fewer byproduct from manufacturing, and but they're still not a truly biodegradable product. We're actively looking for some sort of a, a truly effective bristle out of something plant-based, but we haven't found one yet. Actually, one of our guests, Almitra, they have a completely biodegradable toothbrush. Really? Yeah. I would love to know about that. I've not seen that yet. Uh, Our handles are made out of wheat straw. And the uh, bristles are made out of uh, bamboo fiber, which is interesting. And 
they are completely biodegradable. You can throw it in your compost bin. That's amazing. That's I, I'm very happy to hear about that. I'm I'm he'll definitely have to send me the link. We'd love to have that as part of our um, our lineup here. There are so many different kinds of toothbrushes. In our quest to have these sparkling, white, clean teeth, we also want to automate it. For instance, a lot of my friends love their electric toothbrush. There are even startups which have these different kinds of toothbrushes. So my question to you is, does Unpaste work with any toothbrush? You're trying to disrupt the toothpaste market, which people are used to for about 80 years, I would say, using this uh, toothpaste in this form. How does the Unpaste work with uh, the electric toothbrush, for instance? It works fine with an electric toothbrush. The most important thing is the soft bristle in that you get the Again, like we said earlier, we get the material of the tablet to draw on every surface of the of the tooth. I personally feel, and this has been borne out with tests we've, that have been done in Germany, that you don't need a, a big fancy toothbrush to clean your teeth properly. You just need to spend enough time and have a good dentifrice. You just need a good like, like something like unpaste to, um, to polish the teeth and, and get rid of the plaque and any any surface bacteria. How did you come across this product? Are you the inventor or are you... Uh... No, it was already being sold in Europe. Mm-hmm. And I am friends with someone who knows the, the person who came up with the product. And I just love the idea. And I fell in love with the product right away. And they wanted someone to bring this product to the North American market. And I'm very happy they agreed to do it with me. Mm-hmm. Is it made in Germany? It's currently made in Germany. Um, actually, some of it's, it's occasionally made in Poland as well. Mm-hmm. There's a few different sites where this is being manufactured. But we are working on, because it's a, it's a lot of material to send across the Atlantic, we're working on moving some of the manufacturing to the U.S. How is Unpaste sustainable? Besides using just the basic ingredients that are required to keep your teeth clean and healthy. The, from beginning to end, we're trying to find ways of making the whole business more sustainable. So in the manufacturing, we're using only renewable green electricity in Germany. <laughs> the offices have no AC. We are we're committed to, to having a reduced electricity footprint across the board. We're going to move some of the manufacturing to the U.S. Right now, one of the places we're not sustainable, we'd like to be more sustainable, is that we have to ship the product currently from Europe to the U.S. And hopefully within a year, we should be able to manufacture in the U.S. and not have to have the ingredients sourced from anywhere other than the U.S. and just make it right there. So is the product called Unpaste in Europe too? And in Europe, it's called Dentabs. It went for a different brand in the U.S. The packaging is compostable packaging. It has a recycled paper on the outside and then a biofilm on the inside that's been dried from corn dextrose. So it's completely plastic-free and and completely compostable. The physical plants in Germany, we encourage people to use their bicycle or public transport, a fairly new thing that they've been encouraging. So why is it zero waste? A, the packaging is compostable. There's no waste in the packaging. The product itself can be, you can just throw it into compost itself. You can throw it into the recycling. It, it's going to degrade very quickly. So there's there's nothing there. We have switched from wood pallets to paper pallets. We've actually experimented with coconut husk pallets. Mm-hmm. We're trying to use less wood. Pallets are something that end up getting chopped up at the, usually at the end. At, very often a pallet, when it arrives in the US, it just ends up being garbage. There's not enough products 
being produced in the US going overseas. So this, all the pallets we're shipping on right now are recyclable or biodegradable. We're playing with a few different ideas there. I mean, all of our packaging to our customers is recyclable, but we're trying to find more places where we can actually make them compostable. So we can actually have less material being used. But when you talk about the packaging, I saw on your website that the unpaced tablets come in a pack, similar to an M&M sachet. How do I store it in my bathroom? How do I store it next to my sink? Yeah, so th- Does it initially come in bottle or some other form and then I empty the... The, the it, it doesn't it. initially come that way. Some of our competitors do something like that. Um, but we felt that that just means more things we have to ship. A lot of our tablets are sold in zero-waste stores or natural food markets or specialty stores. And very often, these places, that they do a lot of bulk as well. We actually sell the product in bulk to a lot of places. Maybe I think, I think last I checked, about 40% of our sales are actually bulk sales. So someone into a shop and scoop them out and they'll put it into whatever container is being sold there and so you can put it into a jar you can put it into anything we encourage people to reuse something they already have they don't need a new glass jar from us they you know chances are you have a glass jar in your cupboard that you are not using or maybe you have a favorite little um, metal box or something that you want to put it in we don't want to produce more stuff that people don't need. Mm-hmm. And if you don't have something like that, then you know it's easy enough to get something cheap and ecological. So that's our approach to it. You mentioned it comes in flavors. Does it come in many flavors right now? No, it only comes in the, the mint at the moment. There's some new flavors coming up. We're still working out some of the kinks, but we're talking orange, we're talking berry, probably cinnamon. Some of these flavors should be we're, we're aiming towards the latter half of the year for, to introduce. One of the environmental impact, which is obvious when we see your product, is that you don't have the plastic toothpaste tube. What is the impact of the plastic toothpaste tube, which we find in the market, on the environment? And how do you help eliminate that? Yeah, so 20 billion toothpaste tubes produced in the world every year. And they all end up in landfill or in the ocean, or wherever um, our excess plastic gets to, they're just part of that problem. And so that's one of the main reasons we put in this compostable package that these toothpaste tubes, they're worse than most plastic. You can't put anything back into them. It's not like you can reuse a toothpaste tube. You use it, you throw it away, and that's it. It becomes this permanent part of the planet. We don't and we don't need more of that. Mm-hmm. Your impact would be if you had to quantify it. What? Give me some oh, numbers. Oh gosh. So in the U.S., I would say that yeah, in the last year we have saved about fifty thousand toothpaste tubes from being used. Mm-hmm. People have used our product in, in for that long, and that would be the equivalent of about fifty thousand toothpaste tubes. How? Many years have you been in business? About a couple of years now? We have been unpaced as a product in the U.S. Mm-hmm. We've been selling for a year and a half. Okay, so within a year and a half, you've had 50,000 yeah. cubes. It, it, we started from. to pick up. I, I, I said a year because that's been the, where we've had our the majority of our sales is within the last year, mm-hmm. last 12 months. Yeah, and coming back to the point, the toothpaste tube cannot be recycled because... You know, when you throw stuff in your recycle bin, which you set outside on the curb, they don't want any food or anything stuck to it. It has to be clean. Otherwise, it messes up actually all the other recycling 
that you set out. So there's definitely that piece, but also the plastic they use in toothpaste tubes typically is just not even part of the the recycling. Oh, okay, so okay, even okay. if you were to open the tube, clean it out, clean it out, yeah. throw it in there, it's, it's still the wrong kind of plastic. It's mm-hmm, um, mm-hmm. most flexible plastics like that are not recycled. I saw on your website you had a variety of certifications. Why do you have them, and what are they? So those certifications are they're all European. Mm-hmm. So some of this is we want to show that yeah, so we're free from animal cruelty, and that it's certified vegan, and that we're part of an industry and uh, a community really that wants to be ecologically conscious and health conscious and so these are certifications that were pursued to show that that we're not just saying that we're good that there are these independent organizations that can vouch for lower impact of our product and that they're healthy and and they're, they're cruelty free um how do you test the efficacy of unpaced as against the traditional toothpaste. This was tested by the German equivalent of the ADA, the American Dental Association, um, some time back, and they said it was uh, an effective teeth care product. You think these certifications help communicate to your consumers what sort of a brand you are? You're sustainable, you're natural, you are a conscious brand. You, how important do you think these certifications are at the bottom of your email as against just saying the words or showing the videos? Yeah, so that's an interesting question. I think for some consumers that it's, it's very important that they want to see that there's some sort of independent verification process that's been done. Um, I think we have some North American consumers that very much like that this has gone through all this testing and certification in Europe where the standards tend to be higher. We've looked into, we're still looking into um, U.S. certifications, but we're happy to have the European ones because they are, for the most part, a more stringent process to get through. Definitely have more uh, things that are disallowed uh, compared to what we allow in our beauty products and cosmetics. Definitely. So we record this episode on May 6, 2020. We are in the throes of the pandemic. How has your business, a new business, just about a year old, been impacted? How has it changed? How have you adapted? You know, it must be quite a struggle. Certainly we've had an impact and certainly our retailers have had a slowdown in their business. So we're selling less. Just from a purely commercial point of view, we're lucky in that we're selling something you clean your teeth with. Everybody cleans their teeth. People are not going to stop cleaning their teeth because of the pandemic. So we're, we're, we're not a luxury good. We feel good about that from a business point of view. So transport's gotten more expensive. It's because of the airlines and there's a lot less travel. So it's gotten much more expensive to ship product across the world. Um, it's another reason we want to start manufacturing in the U.S. as soon as we can. But yeah, we're doing okay. I mean, we're already uh, a remote company, remotely staffed company. The people we work with and my business partner and I, we don't have an office. So we've been doing the work from home thing already. So that's not been a disruption. And actually myself, that's been part of my professional life for a really long time. So in some ways we have an advantage there that, that we have a bunch of people who are having to really shift their work habits and it's something we already do. Do you think people will move away from sustainable products? Because for me, in, in everyday products, right, I try to use a detergent, which is natural, cleaning my counters and a lot of things around my house. Almost always, it's vinegar and water. But now with the pandemic, I've actually started using more toxic products. 
for instance, I do have Lysol. I don't know when the last time I actually bought Lysol, you know, to keep clean the cabinets and um, and countertops. Do you think the consumers will move away from being sustainable? Because I w- I'm not sure this is natural. Is it actually cleaning my teeth? Is it actually killing the bacteria? And from the manufacturer's point of view, it, you'll have to spend more to penetrate the market now, right? Because people are buying less. And so how do you think it will impact on both sides, the consumer and the brands? It's an interesting question. I would say the latter part, talking to other brands who are in this space, the feeling is that this is actually going to ultimately be good for sustainable products. This idea that we need to take more care of our environment and our ecology. And these are things that I think have been highlighted. The thing you've seen on social media a lot is like, oh, how clean this river is now mm-hmm. because there are people mucking with it, right? Mm-hmm. Seeing the people we've gotten so used to a level of pollution and to see those pollution levels drop because of a reduction in, in human activity, just as I think opened a lot of people's eyes to, okay, we don't have to be so polluting. We can do things in a better way. Mm-hmm. So I think at least medium term, I think that's a good thing for raising awareness around sustainability. In terms of the individual consumer, you're saying, yeah, okay, now I buy Lysol. I, I certainly don't blame you for buying Lysol. It's, it, we are in a, a serious pandemic and we need to protect ourselves. But I think you're also seeing that the availability of these products, of sustainable products, you see it in your targets. You see it uh Trader Joe's and Walgreens. These things are available now. And I don't think they're going to stop being available. Mm-hmm. Um, certainly, some sustainable products can be more expensive. And so the fact that we have a, a blow to the economy is probably, a, I think, going to be a bigger impact. And maybe someone's like, oh, well, maybe I'll buy the, the, the cheaper toothpaste or the cheaper cleaner or whatever it might be. Mm-hmm. Um and certainly, you know, that that's understandable as well. In terms of when you talk about the efficacy of these products, this has been well established. And I don't think that the, that the fact that we are being more careful because of the pandemic is a, a big impact to the people I know, at least the consumers I know, that's not going to make them want to switch away from a sustainable product. They, they know that these things are effective. And if anything, because there are fewer ingredients and fewer things that you're putting into their body, it's a more, more health conscious choice anyway. You touched on the cost. So how does unpaste compare in terms of cost to a traditional toothpaste? Oh, we're definitely more expensive. So should I have more disposable income to be mindful to live a more sustainable lifestyle? I, I, I hope not. I think this often happens. This, this is the way sustainability sometimes is bootstrapped anyway. Solar is a good example where solar started out so expensive, mm-hmm. right? And but the market grew and and people put money into it and yeah certainly it was only available to say if you wanted to put solar on your home this was you'd have to have a certain level of wealth to to even consider it you know thirty years ago or something but now um, solar power is very competitive for home energy and as the sustainable market grows that drives down the price right so whatever the whether it's toothpaste or cleaners or solar power the bigger the market the you get economies of scale and this brings down the price and instead so in terms of unpaste yeah so we're certainly more expensive than your average toothpaste probably looks like depending on who you're buying it from even three times as expensive but we're also lucky that toothpaste is not expensive to begin with i think people who are looking for ways to reduce their footprint and and consume less and put fewer things into their body 
Things like toothpaste is a great place to start because it's a relatively cheap way of doing it. And you take a lot of plastic and a lot of your carbon footprint out of the picture. And also, you're not putting any harmful ingredients. Exactly. You know, there's been some reports of toothpaste being in a plastic tube. You get microplastics. It's sitting in this tube and there's packaging degrades a little bit. You get a little bit of plastic and the awareness of microplastics in our diet has been growing. I am certainly aware of my privilege. Right, as someone who you know lived in America and as a, a white man who was in IT and <laughs> all these things, so I'm certainly not going to stand here and tell people, oh, you you know you need to be sacrificing everything to reduce your footprint. But there are many ways to do it. There are many ways to be have a more sustainable um, consumption habit that don't cost. Yeah, I think that's going to be one of the impacts of uh, the COVID is we all will realize there is so much that we don't need. They are all wants. Exactly. No, it's, it's for their preferences. And, and I've been I've been living out of a, a carry-on bag and a backpack for the last many years. This is a choice I made a while back to be really pared down the number of possessions I have and be a bit nomadic. And uh, How old are you? So I am 51. Your voice sounds much younger. I thought you were in your 30s. Wow. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> so, um, so yeah, so 51, you can start going down that path. At 35, if you're doing it, I would be like, hey, wait, <laughs> have some fun before you start renouncing. <laughs> well, plenty of fun. <laughs> I just find I don't need as many things, right, you know. Right. And there's a way in which I think you're right with the covid and we're at home and we don't have as many things we buy and to use, we do okay. And, and there's a way in which, you know, the things we own, they own us, you know, mm-hmm. everything you buy, you have to maintain or throw away or whatever it is. I think you're right in that there's going to be a greater awareness of what we actually really need to have to have a good life. Another constituency or another community that, that likes our product is sort of this minimalist community. The tablets take less room and they, the, you know, they can go on a plane without having to be in the little one quart bag and all that kind of thing. Mm-hmm. Um, they're good for camping and they're good for, you know, right. So I think there's going to be a, a greater interest in minimalism after all this COVID stuff, because like you said, people are realizing just don't need that much stuff. The things I miss are sitting in a cafe and working or going out to dinner with my friends and and that's not, I don't miss, I don't miss um, the, the things that I wanted to buy last week. Thank you, Patrick, for coming on Mindful Businesses. Oh, you're very welcome. Very happy to have the chance. I appreciate you having me on. If you're a creator of Mindful Brand or would like to recommend a Mindful Brand to be featured on our show, send us a message on our Facebook or Instagram page. If you enjoyed this podcast, please share it with a friend. We recorded this podcast in Lafayette, Indiana. Tatum Gale composed the music for this podcast. Check out Tatum's new EP titled Both on Spotify. This is Mindful Businesses with Vidya Ayer.